Yeah. It worked when I tested it. Okay. So I don't know if you're supposed to wait or something, but according to this, it's live. So we'll assume it's live and we'll say hello <clears throat> and welcome to the science fiction chat with uh, the Moonosity. And we're going to talk about science fiction and fantasy because I have written a book, science fiction book. This is a crappy Amazon copy that puts a um, not for resale disclaimer on here, so it shouldn't look like that. You can buy that on the Amazon, you know. There it is. And Munosity is one of the few other people I know, apart from Semiagog, who did already, who is uh, at least writing a science fiction. So I thought I would ask her about that and what got her into that so we can just talk about it. So, yes, Munosity, your science fiction. What is, what's, what's it called? What's it about? Well, my science fiction novel, um, I've only I've only begun it just here and there. Um, I started it last June, and I've been working on it on and off. I'm nowhere near done with it. Um, really just, just kind of still in a brainstorming process, but the working title is Moonstone. Oh. And I can say Good. that... Well, I don't exactly want to give away the entire story of it, but um, it is set in a post-apocalyptic future, and it does tie in today's events and how they will progress, how they will advance to about two hundred years down the road. Right. So it had. So I'm also including uh, some Nietzschean, some Jungian. Um, elements to it, as well as perhaps some things from Wilhelm Reich. Right. And, All your favorites. Yes, and Spengler. So there's yes, a good writing, but um, yeah. So yeah. according to Spengler, you're in his his early Caesarian stage, probably 200 years. I don't know how long did he say that would take. I forget. I believe the according to him, there would be a, a Caesarian stage after like. After the stage we're in now, I think I, I don't even remember exactly. Well, I shouldn't say. Yeah, well, I haven't exactly gotten to that point in the book because, um, as far as Spengler, I'm just reading *Decline of the West* Volume Two. I didn't read Volume One because simply I can't find it right now. So <laughs> I have Volume Two, so I I just I picked that up. But yeah, I'm only about fifty pages into it. Um, I, I read it uh, yeah. slowly, so yeah. um, I'm not quite to that point yet. Yeah, well, it's big. I think I have an abridged version of both. So, you, what kind of characters do you have? Is it um, two hundred years from now? So, there. I did you like change them a lot? Or are they like? Did you invent a lot of stuff for them, or did you like leave? Is the world kind of this similar? Very similar. It is a bit similar. It's not as um, it's not as bizarre and different and alien as say you know uh, Star Wars or something like that. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit more down to earth i should say uh the, the characters i do have some in development but currently i'm working more on the actual plot and the setting and uh, right. so yeah so meaning that i'm still like in the in the prologue and in the first chapter of, of the book yeah well it takes a long time or at least it did for me writing fiction because like this like it's not even that big in the end but it was originally like a lot bigger it was like at at one point something like a hundred thousand words of like but a lot of it was like slop like what, what do you call it when you 
write um, exploration writing when you're kind of figuring out what you want characters to do and you're just kind of like typing madly and uh, you know and, it, and it, you can tell when you read it that that's what it is so I just I super condensed everything yeah we're gonna yeah. say yeah that's the stage that I'm at right now is just it's the exploration stage yeah um yeah you have to do that so yeah and I could definitely say that um, it is much easier for me to write nonfiction. Um, as mm -hmm. some of you might know, I have written a book, Full Moon Fever. I have a second edition out, and uh, it is available on Kindle and on paperback. Um, on Amazon. Do what? On Amazon, right? Yeah. Yes. Obviously, yeah. 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 And um, it is about my own philosophy on the nature of reality. I cover various things and it is, it's really my own working organic philosophy because my philosophy, it develops every single day and every single moment. So every day I think of something brand new. Brand new. You're going to have to, you're gonna have, to have another abridged version next week. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So I plan on doing though. Um, uh, well, I plan on creating a third version next year. Ooh. So, um, and also so, has, yeah, it also has all my essays in it that I've written over the past two years. So there's like almost 30 some on essays that I've written and amongst other chapters. Um, I have taken out my chapter on visions that I had originally included in my first edition because it, it just, yeah. I might include it later on, but it's not the most. Um, well, I would guess I would guess a nonfiction from you is bordering on a fiction for like other people. I mean, with <laughs> chapters like visions and. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that but, would be um, true. Yeah, so th that's great. I mean, that's hopefully you can. Uh, I mean, it's just an ever-evolving book. I guess you can keep uh, making abridged versions <laughs> as you go. Although it's a lot of hassle, you could just write another book as well. It's hard to. I know, like my first book, you do want to go back. You like I can. I don't have it here with me, but you pick it up and reread some parts and you're like kind of cringing like, oh, you know, because you're you've generally know better as time goes on. But, uh, you know, what can you do? But we should stay on the topic of the of the science fiction. So let's see what. So you, I didn't even know yours was a more dystopian one. So um, what science fiction and fantasy inspired you to to try and write it? Um, well, I suppose various things. Um, let's see. Well, though the, though the setting isn't exactly in the dystopian desert, um, things like A Boy and His Dog, I haven't actually read the book, though, but I've seen the film. Uh, so something kind of like that, but also something... Um, uh, I'm trying to think of films. Uh, oh, there's one film I watched uh, several years ago called, called Gamer. And I did make a post about that on Telegram, uh, just just a, a butch trailer. A gamer? I never heard of this. Is it new? Yeah, um, it has uh, what's his name? A Gerald has Gerald Butler in it, and it was made I think in 2010. All right. Yeah, um, and I only watched it once, but it was uh, it was really interesting from what I remember of it because it is about the it's about the future of virtual reality. Where, where prisoners, um, in order to lessen their sentence, they would be able to do community service. And this kind of community service is um, 
playing into virtual reality, but their own bodies being the vehicle of the, uh, uh, I mean, the vehicles of these video game characters in virtual reality. So what this means is that they have to, I forgot um, how they went about it. Um, I'm not sure if they had to uh, like physically hook up their body to, to a system in, in a, uh, in a, in a facility. I don't quite remember that, but basically somebody who is playing a video game from home, they can, uh, they can access this person and take, and basically take over their mind and, you know, play as them. It's like a real person. Yeah. Yeah. Play as a real person and not just, you know, some made up video game character. You have some, some elements like that in your book, do you? Or Somewhat, yes. Uh, I do plan on uh, do plan on uh, incorporating virtual reality as well as artificial intelligence um, right. and robots. So you got it all—all all the modern things are in our in. But two hundred years from now, when it's even more dystopian, yes. All the all the modern stuff. See, mine is kind of like a more of a throwback. It's like a pagan. It's pagan science fiction, I would call it, and it's kind of philosophical, but like. It's, 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 it doesn't, I don't even say the date as in it's in the future. It's supposed to be like, I suppose, somewhat in the future, but like Rome never fell. So it's always been the Roman Empire and they've just expanded. And the different orbits of the planets are now different sort of satraps, satraps of like, there's the, there's like even still the old empires are kind of there. There's like uh, Germanic and Celtic is, and you know, like the orbit of Neptune is sort of a Celtic, Egypto, e- Egyptian Celtic. Satrap or whatever. Yeah, so it's all, it's sort of like history, but it's in a futuristic, futurist, futuristic setting. So it's like, I don't know. Alternate history. It, yeah, yeah, it's sort of like, yeah, alternate, alternate history. So it's like very space opera and it's even intentionally kind of pulp. Like I have like action scenes and gore and stuff just because I love pulp. I don't know what you think about that. Pulp gets a bad name. People tend to mock it and think it's, oh, it's silly, you know, but there's a lot of excellent pulp and some of our best science fiction came out of. Pulp paperbacks, I think, and fantasy, all the Robert E. Howard uh, stuff. In there. Well, I haven't, I haven't, exa- haven't actually read any any pulp fiction, but yeah, I I do know what you're meaning. And um, with my book, um, I can't say that it absolutely won't include things like that. Um, I'm very much, um, I'd say I might be a bit inclined to put those kind of elements in it. Um, I'm currently unsure what precisely, but I feel uh, for the story that I'm working on anyways, it would probably be necessary. Yeah. <laughs> well, pop stuff is usually, it's like a hint of barbarity and you can have a futuristic uh, uh, environment, but you know, the characters will still be sort of battling lustily and to be, you know, sort of, I don't know half naked and yeah. there'd be wanton gore and stuff like this. <laughs> and yeah. so it's like a fantasy, but it's in space. Like Star Wars. Star Wars was like uh, an extenuation of that pulp genre, really. Which apparently the whole thing was started by Robert E. Howard, really, with Conan. And he came, he even he even really sort of inspired Tolkien, believe it or not. He's the one who invented like sword and sorcery. Like, you know. Yeah. What you gonna say? Well, it, well, it conjures um, more intense emotions. It makes the reader um, I feel that it would probably really uh, captivate the reader. So, yeah. That's, well, it's interesting. It's, it's high drama, and it goes from, like, yeah, it's meant to be action for, like, 
when I think of a science fiction, like when I was young, you'll get like a pulpy thing, well-painted cover and all the rest of it, but it would be high action. Like there would be no, you would, it wouldn't be, there'd be nothing dreary about it. And it could be sort of psychedelic and weird. So that's what I was trying to recreate. Although I threw in a lot of kind of perhaps a bit of wordy philosophy kind of stuff that I didn't need to, but that's, I, I wanted to make something unique as, as you do as well. You don't think of, some people think of when they create things, they want to imitate something almost exactly or be exactly right in a certain genre, but to do it really well, you're just kind of mixing things together. Like you said, you got boy, boy and his dog and that other show. I don't know about, but like they sound pretty radically different, <laughs> even though it's yeah. dystopian sci-fi is different. Dystopian is meant to be dreary or like hopeless, I guess. Usually there's like, you know, it's sort of hopeless from start to finish, but there's still kind of an adventure in there. Right. But yeah. So yes, yeah, um, what um, I do to be careful of because while I might like a, a certain piece of work, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm very careful about not 100% replicating that precise thing because, you know, it, you know, it's kind of cheating, you know, if you think about that though. Well, I don't mean, I don't mean, I don't mean plagiarism. I mean, like people expect, like, even if when I say I want to write a pulp sci-fi, I don't like, and there's different types of pulp sci-fi, sci-fi. say there's Dune, which is quite intellectual as well but it had first appeared i believe in like uh installations in analog magazines it was kind of pulpy in a way but when uh, i mean imitation in that doing exactly what people expect as in oh this i'm doing i'm doing this type of novel so i should do this instead of just saying okay i'm going to throw in this and throw in that is what i meant you know what i mean yeah yeah Yeah, i suppose that's kind of where i'm at because it is quite a bit sci-fi but it also has a lot of it, it has a lot of philosophical elements and sometimes my, my writing can get a bit wordy and a little confusing, but the way that I write just so, you know, in the future that the reader knows that every precise thing that I write has a very substantial meaning to it. Um, there's uh, like if, like if, for instance, if a certain sentence that I write in my book or in my essays sounds a little off or, or, or a little um, a little awkward maybe. Well you can You've done it on purpose, is that what you're gonna Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is for a very particular reason to right. to capture a very certain image. So um yeah well, that said um so far what I have written in this novel uh, every single passage has a very deep meaning. So um, it's not just where you read a story and, and, the, and that's the only story that comes to mind. There are different layers to it. Kind of like when, for instance, um, we go to read Holy Scripture and we can read it, when we read it the first time, a certain story uh, is conjured in our mind. But then we read it a second time, it can sometimes be a brand new story and read a third time and so forth. So it's kind of like those, yeah. Yeah, those kind of uh, meta layers, shall we say? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I do like your uh, little ideas you come out with. That's for sure. They're unique to you. That's for sure. And Thanks. like, um, yeah, I mean, they're good. They're sort of, um, how would I say it? <laughs> I was going to say like cute, but that's not what I mean. I mean, like endearingly honest uh, sort of, uh, I don't know, just like a sincere reflection 
uh, from a creative person, let's say. That's what it strikes me as. Ah, yeah. well, that's good though. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. This was it'll be kind of the impression that I'll be going for um, because- but Better that than people, that some people can like labor and do not just in it, this is in every genre of creativity, like music, especially you notice this, like somebody who can play every like amazing lick on a guitar, but can't actually sit down and make up a catchy, you know, three chord uh, progression. It's just, you know what I mean? Like there's people that, if yeah. you you have to have that, the, the most important part is that little creative weirdness. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. And that's why I'm not really too concerned with having to read a bunch of different books. I mean, books are good to read. Yes. For inspiration. But yeah. I find, and even too, uh, when I was reading in Nietzsche's um, uh, "Why I Am So Clever" book, it, it's it's really short. It's like it's like fifty pages long. But um, he, even he was talking about how uh, how people who get so obsessed with reading books that they can forget to, you know, to, to have that original spark of their own, you know, to produce something on their own. It's just basically yeah. memorizing everything that you read. And while, yeah. yes, it could be a good tool, you know, you've really got to bounce it out with your own creative expression. Yeah. Yeah. And especially something like science fiction. Science fiction is the ultimate um, invention, uh, creation. If you're going to write, say we both wrote nonfiction and we know what that's involved. You do have to be creative and come up with your own ideas and so forth. But it's not like literally word for word inventing everything out of your mind like a dream you know especially science fiction where you're inventing the world the universe itself and its laws in a way as well so it's kind of an ultimate act of creativity if you ask me science fiction and fantasy because you're total world building from start to finish and you like this is the kind of thing a lot of like normal type people it throws them off i think they find it they, they usually laugh at it i believe because they don't understand it they can't fathom the idea of you know, something that is, isn't somewhat more grounded in reality. They, they expect a story yeah. that, you know, takes place in a world they can, they're well used to. And I guess it, some people are very easily thrown off by things. Exactly. Unless it is a TV show or a movie. Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because, you know, here's the thing. No matter how, no matter how practical the people may be, no matter how, you know, you know based in, you know, the real world reality people may be, People yeah. still always love a good story, and whenever yeah. they, it, whenever they go to explain something to each other, just a normal conversation, you know, it is very common for them to to relate a certain subject with a with a film that they've watched or a TV show that they've watched. You know, like saying, um, oh, "Oh yeah, and this is kind of like The Walking Dead." Oh yeah, this is kind of like. Yeah, that's what they need. They need that reference. A lot of normal people just want that. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, they need the they need to, to relate it to something they know. A reference. Yeah. Yeah. So when it's that's why when you have a truly creative original thing, it usually takes a while for it to catch on because a lot of people will be just utterly baffled by it and won't know what's going on. And only over time, when it takes it takes a period of approval, and then even usually a few imitators, <laughs> and then it'll be if you're lucky recognized. Often they get forgotten, and the imitators just get the, get the, get the fame and the glory. If something's very original, there's a lot of films I can think of that would reference that. But uh, films and fil books and films. Exactly. Yeah. So let's. I got some questions here. Let's, da, 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 da. So do you what do you think science fiction is popular? A popular genre still to write in? Because I'm not so sure if it is or not. Um, I think. 
Well, in writing, I'm not sure about that. But in the entertainment industry, like like in film, I think yeah. it is becoming a bit more popular. Um, you think so, yeah? Maybe, maybe. Perhaps a bit. Like, what are you thinking of? Game of Thrones or something? Like, even though it's fantasy. But... Well, I suppose things like that, things like Stranger Things. Um, there, uh, uh, um, a lot of things relating to the paranormal, especially like with Supernatural or, um, yeah. Yeah. oh, what's the other shows? Um, like the, um, Grimm, things like that. Um, those kind of fantasy, things want, you know, sci-fi shows you know, are becoming much more popular. And also, even with the selling of things like Ouija boards, you know, uh, yeah, yeah it, it, it's really sparking up. I'd say since about, I don't know, like 2010, 2012 or something like that. Because I remember, uh, for instance, I would go into a, a or going to Toys R Us or you know, some place like that. And I remember when I was a kid, they would never sell Ouija boards, but now they do sell them. And I didn't <laughs> a kid's version, a little kitty one? Like, yeah, but that's oh. a, that's like a sign that they're not being taken seriously then either. Like when, before they would be like not allowed to. Yeah, it's exactly. satanic. Yeah. That's what's really changing. And that's the direction I, I feel everything's going. It's towards, you know, it, you know it's been a, such, a, such an obsession with demonic possession. Um, that it's uh, and, and any kind of horror paranormal film these days, it is always about some kind of poltergeist, so always some kind of demonic possession in the same kind of layout, same kind of framework, and you know it, it's it's something they can usually easily guess, and it's kind of um, kind of gross tedious, but it does grow tedious, yeah. And are they really that popular? I wonder. Like, is it really? I know they've been milking it for a certain kind of audience. See, things are different now than they used to be. It's not like you come out with a blockbuster and everyone goes sees it or not. It's like you have your special Netflix show that you target at your certain a certain audience, I think. And some of them catch on and spread with another audience. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how it works, but it's weird. It's more like marketing schemes now than just like, here's my amazing idea. Exactly. <laughs> which is the way it should be, which is why they don't get original stuff so much. Hardly ever, if anything, if any ever leaks through, it's like a miracle. If some original, you know, story knocks you over, like, wow, that's pretty good. But very rarely, I suppose, maybe one sneaks through, or you like, or more, more often, it'd be some like some uh, lone uh, assholes like us trying to hawk something they've made personally and saying, hey, look, you know, even like I was going to say to you, I looked at um, this is after the fact. I thought just recently, I thought, well, why don't I look at um, science fiction? Um, what do they call them? Not the publisher, but the uh, What's the, what's the guy, the intermediate between you and the publisher, if you... Um... Uh, uh, this is Literary Agent. Yes, yes, yes. I was looking at uh, science fiction literary agents, and I was looking through their 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 body of work and what they do and everything, and just like every single one. It was a long list of them, and I just gave up after a while. It was so hopeless. It was basically just like Harry Potter or like, I don't know, sort of bisexuals in space or something. Like It was not... <laughs> it was just basically political or little kitty stuff. There was no... You know, I didn't. There was nothing like the old. Even even the stuff that's still around from the classic era, like what I was trying to emulate, the the high pulp era, uh, like tour books and that. They're basically just doing that kind of crap too, like just kind of pseudo political 
you know, nothing stories, kind of just keeping everyone happy with some sort of pap that's, you yeah. know, there's no barbarians and there's no like, uh, you know, wild philosophical stories or just even dystopia. I don't, I didn't see very much in the way of dystopia as far as that goes either. So, sorry. Because it's got to be uh, not, uh, I guess, uh, not too. Yeah, be uh, careful. <laughs> not too scary, not too. Um, yeah, 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 exactly. You know, it, you know, I can't mock the boat too much. Yeah. But you know what that said too? I mean, I, I did self-publish on Amazon through to the KDP. Um, but I still would like to have a normal publisher because when it comes to marketing and things like that, I, I really feel a, a traditional well, publisher will probably be better with that. Mm -hmm. And... You know that with a traditional publisher, you know, like you said, you know, a lot of you'll uh, take a lot of your money. <laughs> you'll take a lot more of your money, is it? Well, that, yeah, that was a big but, problem. But 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 you know, I'm also considering, you know, right now with my book, you know, I'm not making any money from it. Um, mm -hmm. e e even though I can get back much greater royalties from it, but mm -hmm. even if I go through a traditional publisher, yes, the royalties will be a lot less, but the yeah. amount of books that that I could be potentially selling would be far more than what I'm selling right now. So, you know, it, it, it kind of, for, I get, at least in my case, it would be more beneficial to go through a traditional publisher. Well, you'd want to write a book without the lights of Spengler in it, I think, first of all, as well, right? If you, uh, uh, unless you mean a certain type of traditional, which is what you mean. I, I well, like sure writing. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Someone is not concerned about that, yeah. Yeah, so there's a couple, there's a few. Yeah, so maybe, I mean, obviously, um, try approaching them. Yeah, I'm not sure. And maybe they don't actually take so much. I know a guy, like I knew a guy who years ago, he did a kid's book and he was like, supposedly he was kind of famous. He was like, have you heard of this? And he was like, surprised I hadn't heard of it. And so I was like, oh, all right. And uh, I said, what do you make uh, off this, you know, world famous kid's book? And he was, I think he got like one cent per copy or something. And he, he was still, yeah, I, I met him like on a job. He was still working. He wasn't, like, didn't. Mm -hmm. It didn't make him wealthy. So I, I always remember that. I'm like, well, you know, and certainly he got suckered in his deal. But maybe kids' books. Yeah. Kids' books, he probably had to get an illustrator, and that was like at least in a kids' book, an illustrator is like one half to work or more, really. I mean, if, more, really. Well, what are you writing? Like, Mrs. Johnson picked up the apple. <laughs> and then, you know, at least the, at least the yeah. illustrator has worked for like, you know, a few days on a drawing for every page. So I guess. Yeah. Maybe that's, yeah. yeah. Uh yeah, I can see you know the, the with a best-selling kids book. You know, I, I mean, I, I guess it's possible to become wealthy from it, but you know, compared to you know a more adult book, you know, I, I think the latter would have a lot more success in, um, you know, not just being tossed, you know, years down the road into a bin, you know, because yeah. it's. It's outdated. Yeah. Whereas a natural novel is something they they can really enjoy and keep around in your house, even if it's yeah. falling apart. You know. Yeah. Well, say people like you and me, they're sort of kooky and devoted to, you know, making something that they feel is good and original above all else. We'll just sort of do it, and you know, maybe it'll be a success, maybe it won't. It doesn't matter. Like I, you just feel the pride. At least I do in like having done it, and it's like okay, there's. I've done that. I can feel good about that. I did it to, to my own satisfaction. Let's say there's a few more things on my list that I'm that I must do um, according to this uh, desire, this need to do to my satisfaction. 
to my own, uh, and I'm sure you're the same, your own criteria of what you think is good and bad without interference. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I was going to say, so the science fiction fantasy was at one time a much bigger industry. There was like, uh, you know, a variety of publishers just cranking it out and magazines. It was magazines all over. Even when I was uh, like a kid, there was all sorts. There was magazines on every rack of different ones, even like there was like Starlog and Heavy Metal and all these ones. So there was ongoing sort of pulpy sci-fi. And each one, like in each one, you could have like a ream of short stories of like totally original, insane ideas and, you know, worlds and things. So it was once prevalent. And then over time, I noticed the magazine racks got filled up with just like fucking uh, golf magazines and, or you know, uh, like tons of stuff for women now, just housekeeping. And uh, if you ever, if, if, if anyone ever actually looks at a magazine <laughs> rack anymore, I suppose I see one from a distance now and then. But I remember actually going to them and being disappointed. It was all just like sports ball and like housekeeping and like all that imaginative stuff just vanished. It was gone. This was even before the internet became a thing. So people say that's because the internet, but it was kind of before that. So it's like it vanished. I don't know why. But... Yeah, with me as a kid, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking back and I don't really remember seeing anything, you know, it, you know, you know there's no section in the bookstore solely dedicated to sci-fi or pulp fiction magazines. You know, like I said, it, it was pretty much just a lot of, you know, golf magazines or, um, you know, housekeeping or uh, gamer stuff. A lot of gamer stuff. Gamer stuff, maybe some music or something. Yeah. But I'm older than you. So I remember when it was. It wasn't just like, so there'd be, there would be a lot of books. There'd be paperbacks and there would also be magazines and there would be everywhere. Um, so some people say, I'm not so sure it dried up because um as we uh, you have to have an optimistic idea of the future to create fiction like this which i always do have um even if it's dystopian i think you have to, you have to for to create good science fiction you have to not have an idea of the future and sort of like like to theorize about what it might be or how it might go yeah. as well as the you like the hero's journey and it you know you like a good adventure story let's say because usually adventure is involved if not adventure then even like a gloomy doomy sort of heavy philosophy or a weird, like, you know, time-bending story or whatever. But it's well, usually it's gonna, just... Oh, sorry, yeah, go on. Oh, um, well, it's going to have... It's going to have direction. And so yeah, having that optimistic view, you know, it, it, it you know, it's, it's kind of like the light at the end of a tunnel. Yeah, like you said, it, it, could be, it can be all dark and gloomy and everything, but at the end, you know, there is an actual purpose for everything that has happened. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just like um, they. So they say it's part of advantage is people. A lot of people, of course, it was the normal type person. Was often it was like it was more like the the ultimate triumph of the normie, let's say, where to be into science fiction or fantasy, you were a kind of person. You, I'm not going to say you didn't have to be like a nerd or a geek or whatever, but an imaginative person, let's say. And it was like this. It annoyed the totally normal sort of accountant golfing guy. He didn't get it, and he didn't give a shit about it. He never did. So, but there was like, back then there was more of the other type and not so much just like everybody tries to be like the accounting golfy guy. So it's like they had a kind of vict cultural victory over everybody, over, over the, uh, over the imagination stuff. And I don't know, it was kind of weird. A part of it also was the, this is very Spenglerian, I can say as well. Cause I remember, I know a guy who's older than me and he was really into old horror and sci-fi stuff. And he said it was when Star Wars came out that all the stuff previously, there was a wide... Uh, sort of 
multi-variant uh, industry of horror and sci-fi that was, you know, was hammer horror and all these crazy things. And then when the idea of the Star Wars blockbuster came, which unified fantasy elements in a kind of ultimate, ultimately packaged, you know, satis satisfactory story, it kind of blew apart all these other little mini industries and like kind of that's, this was his thing. So that's kind of Spengl Spenglerian. It's like when the, mm -hmm. when the, when the, this creative, uh, I'll say industry became self-aware and like pinnacled and then, it, then it was over. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. What comes in waves? Yeah. Waves. Yeah, I, guess. Yeah, I think that with this new wave, this new generation, I think that, um, well, like I said earlier, the the paranormal is the is one of the top things. It, you know, it, it might be just more of a millennial thing too. Uh, this strong interest in the paranormal and the occult. Um, is it just from being on Twitter and all the <laughs> things like that? All the crazy magical talk on Twitter and stuff like that. I don't know. That's my speculation. Well, I'm just thinking about. Um, well, some of the things that I grew up with, because uh, I, I was born in the earlier '90s, and I do remember some things when I was a when I was a little kid. And um, there was uh, there's always a a greater emphasis on witchcraft, especially so, you know, things you know, TV shows like Charmed or movies like The Craft. Or I've heard you talk about. Is it? Well, yeah, I've heard you really like those, didn't you? Was it? Charmed was the one. Are you one of those shows? You remember you mentioning before, yeah. and Legend. You really like Legend, which is like very few people join me in that one. I I love that movie, and like a lot of people are like, ah, oh, they hate it for some I reason. I love it too. It's yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah, it, actually, I didn't first watch Legend until um, only about six years ago. But um, yeah, when I was a kid, I grew up with um, with shows like. Uh, like the craft and like charmed and I was obsessed with them. Um, but right. it was actually curious that, um, that I found over the years is that what that whatever I am currently into, like whatever trend, whatever interest I'm currently into, yeah. it seems to manifest years later down the road. So for instance, when I was little, I had a huge interest, uh, in space, in astronomy, in, in science, in, um, in magic, and uh, witchcraft, and all that. And back then, you know, it, it wasn't, uh, not a lot of people were really into it. You know, in school, a lot of kids thought that I was weird. They didn't really say anything, but they just, you know, <laughs> you know that's just Presley in class, just, you know, in the lights. But now, it seems that it's becoming really popular. Um, you astrology know, yeah astrology yeah, exactly yeah, it, is, yeah. it is yeah it seems to be yeah yeah so that's what we found it's, it's things like that things that i used to be really really into but then um not exactly that i had let go of but uh, at least it's a seed that i had planted and then yeah and, and then years later it seems to manifest in in my actual world where other people are doing that so it's providence you know, providence yeah so it's kind of you know, even though things might seem a bit dreary with the things that you hear on the news, you know, you know, it, we do have the power to plant the seeds right now. You know, it, 
which is whatever we have interest in, you know, yeah. whatever we make our interests to be right now. Yeah. Well, we to, have to, yeah. Yeah. We have, we have to be the fullest uh, to our, our character that was designated to us uh, by fate. We have to be that to its extreme. Otherwise we have, uh, you know. Yeah. And that shapes the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know how much future shaping we can do with our little Amazon books, but I mean, maybe it'll help. <laughs> maybe you never know. Never know. But um, what was I going to say? Yeah, there's a lot of there's. A, you reminded me there. There's a whole other. There's not just people that dislike uh, astrology, but there's people that can't cope with the idea of space, and they get annoyed by it, and they think it's um, heinous and stupid to even try to explore space. And I don't get this. There's a lot of people like this. So I know even right now I'm probably pissing some people off that are watching them, and that agree with that. But I really don't get it. I don't see why you wouldn't want a frontier. And, uh, you know, I think the reason, to get up there. yeah, I think sure. that the reason is because a lot of people, they want to focus on things here on earth, on focus on the problems here on earth and fixing those problems first. And then, and yeah. then, you know, logically it makes sense to fix our problems here and then to go and explore space. But the issue with that, I think is without that, that pursuit for space, uh, for space exploration and colonization, you know, we you know we don't really have that much of a direction because when we look up to space, you know, that is the heavens, and just like in Gothic architecture, how the archways were always pointed, uh, they're always pointed up at, at, at an angle because it was it was it was, um, it, it, it was trying to. It, it's because they wanted the people to to move their minds up towards God, to look more up towards yeah. the sky. Yeah. And so, you know, without that, without that direction, you know, we're just all scattered here. We don't know what to do. We're lost. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, in the way that I think about this is as as um, as like an energetic string that we have it attached here on earth, but we've got to cast it out into the stars yeah. and, yeah, and make good. that bridge to, to progress up, to yeah. progress forwards in our civilization, in our lives, into our actual future. So I really feel, you know, space, science fiction, it is the future. It is our way back to God. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, people need to take it more seriously. Yeah, it's not some kiddie thing to kind of put aside. It really ties into the the best dreams of man. Let's say, like the ancient, you know, throughout all of history, you always need a frontier. You're not going to just solve problems here at home. You can't just focus inward and like solve all the problems. And in fact, you will solve them more by either ignoring half of them or by having a frontier and being gone out at it and gaining more, gaining more ground, gaining more knowledge just working towards the further frontier, climbing the mountain because it's there kind of thing. Yeah, you know, that's what we always did. Yeah, I mean, that's this is the lesson of the Odyssey and Jason and the Argonauts and, you know, so many folktales, you know, it's it's in, it's integral, this Promethean spirit to explore. So if you're denying that, if you actually get angered by it and you want to, I, I don't, I, I, I just don't understand. Uh, I can't even understand what they're, what they're thinking. I know what you say is exactly what they usually bring up it's like we got to focus on problems here but i just don't see it it's because not the way to vision because they've they've become too 
captured by this, uh, by this adult mindset, you know, because it's like life is about nine to five and, um, you know, your, your, uh, your, uh, retirement plan and then that's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, this is how I think that constant war, constant conquest is, you know, it, it is really vital for us because it keeps us constantly in the mode of play, you know, and that's, you know, that's the same thing. That's exactly how children work as well. Children, they're constantly in that mode of play, you know, they yeah. go from, you know, creating one story to creating another story. Yeah. And when we lose that vision, our future is that utterly bland dystopia, you know, that we are seeing in parts around the world today. Yeah, when they so they've cornered the market, they've gotten rid of all the the nice imaginative uh, magazines and the comics and the science fiction books, and so there's no future even being speculated on, unless it's like some crappy sort of uh, Zoomer movie about you know some guy with a um, you know a car that drives itself or some stupid thing, right? <laughs> some inane, cons- some consumer consumy uh, you know inane product type thing. And so that's the type of man that's being engineered now is this, this guy, the guy who's happy to live in a sprawling, endless sort of shite city of shopping malls. And he doesn't care about space. He doesn't care about exploring new things at all. He just wants to keep it going. He's going to be viciously angry at anybody that, you know, proposes outside ideas. It's like the ultimate kind of, con- they've created the ultimate kind of conformy creature out of what evolved from the sports ball guy, the, uh, yeah, I'm being kind of cruel to the sports ball people. I shouldn't do that because I don't. I don't mean that, but uh, <laughs> you know what I mean. You know. Yeah, yeah. You know that that kind of thinking. You know, at first it starts off with with a strong, um, strong passion for one's own. You know, if maintaining one's own control, one's own um, lifestyle. But then yeah. it grows into aggression, and like I said, in anger when when they are approached with brand new ideas and innovations, and yeah. then over time it starts to fester and fester. Just like you know, it, it you know, it, it's, it's an exact same way as how somebody who stays at home all the time doesn't ever go out into the to the outside world and you know and becomes a hermit, uh, whether it's an actual person or even a group of people, you know. You know, over time, they their sense of of reality starts to warp. And yeah. that nine to five becomes that that reality. And if it breaks, then you know, essentially God's design breaks. And yeah. yeah, it's like prisoners who get accustomed to the uh, jail, and then they freak out when they get released, and they don't know what's going on. Like it's like that yeah. basically. I guess you just people can get used to whatever it is, whatever little you know, shitty allotment they have, the pod life, they can, it can happen. You can grow accustomed to that if you let let yourself fall into it. Yeah, and it's only, it's, it's like that movie, uh, THX 1137. You ever see that? What is it? So, uh, it's one of the original and superior George Lucas movies. He, he made a sort of dystopian sci-fi, THX 1137, 38, I can't remember. Mm, that. No, I haven't seen it. Okay, so it's about, it's sort of like a brave new worldy thing. I haven't seen it for years, but as I recall, people are living in like a kind of hive underground and they're being controlled in a sort of very strict society where they take drugs and they go and like 
you go and pray in a little cubicle and there's like a, a lit up kind of uh, vision of Jesus and they're sort of every 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 moment of their life is life is controlled but then there's and there's like robots kind of uh, keeping them in order and this one guy or maybe it's a few guys but I recall it being one guy decides to it's sort of like Plato's cave he decides to get out and look at look it's, he's like why are we living in this cave and decides to go out and he sees the sun and he breaks out and realizes there's a whole world out there but Sort of like Logan's Run, too, like that kind of thing. Actually, that sounds kind of like Soylent Green, too, um, uh, where the main guy, um, uh, well, where everybody in, I believe it is New York City, um, and year, was it 2022? Um, <laughs> this is made uh, in, uh, yeah. in the 70s. Yeah, um, right. Nobody knows what the countryside looks like, you know. Yeah, they can yeah. see the sun and everything, though, but they've never really seen wild animals. They've never seen, you know, a, a river or a forest or anything. And um, and then towards the end, uh, the the main character, uh, he, I forgot what room it, it's it's called though. But um, basically, it's a place where where old people can go can go to and and choose to die. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they look at like a movie of like pastoral scenes and like Beethoven's playing and yeah, he realizes uh, that the, the great secret is you know that is the wild country that he's you know never known that you know, there's a lot more to his world than that dystopian you know New York City urban, yeah urban like endless urban yeah. sprawl I guess well, well, yeah, a, lot of people, a lot of people even though those movies were warnings and they were even popular at the time it doesn't seem to phase the uh the modern urbanite from kind of falling. Well, most people are, I think most people say even the guy now that would kind of complain about people complaining, like we we might be doing. There is most people feel, I think even on, on, on regardless of how they are politically, that things aren't going particularly uh, fabulous. <laughs> and that, you know, like most people I think do have a, you can't be, you can't, knock out of them that reverence for nature if they you know get a taste of it and i don't know i just think i think the shabbiness will kind of crumble and they won't get away with a true soil and green world because nature is always waiting for them you know red and tooth and claw exactly and it's kind of like jurassic park too um where the theme of it uh, I, I, i'm reading the book right now though but uh, just going off of the uh, the original movie from what I know of it, um, the theme was that life will always find a way. You know, right. that you know, that nature, you know, it will always find a way, even through the even through the cold exterior and framework of the robotic mechanical mind, which actually yeah. brings me to um what you asked me earlier about what uh, uh, about what shows or what um uh, literature inspires my my novel right. and, and one of the ones that greatly has is westworld i've seen the movie and i've seen most of the first season of the tv series right. and i really um especially the the tv series i found to be extremely inspiring because what it talks about that the, the you know things these AI robots, you know, they seem perfectly like normal people with normal memories and everything. But then something happens and they start to level up, they start to advance, they start to 
they start to begin to question what's all going on. And they, and even after these robots die and they're recreated, there's now a glitch where they start to retain some of their memory and, and, and they start to catch on to what's really going on. And it's really interesting because it makes me kind of wonder about, you know, <laughs> you know, it's essentially what is going on with the normies today. Maybe even, maybe even with us, you know, us being God's creation, you know, or the creation of the gods, you know, are we, you know, we are said to be fashioned out of clay, so to be fashioned, you know, well, yeah, out of clay and out of spirit. So are, are we remembering past lives? Is that what you're talking about? What? Are we are we recalling past lives? Is that what you mean, or something like that? Maybe past lives, but I'm thinking in terms of how, it, like, like for instance, Prometheus, how he fashioned the people out of clay, but yeah. perhaps that clay was the um, was was the, were the metals and the materials that are needed to create an AI robot. You know, you know, things like things like this have really uh, crossed my mind. Yeah, and that's good science fiction thinking. All right, that's good. Uh, I wonder about the normies today about about how you know you were saying the the cognitive dissonance within the normies who who strongly oppose yeah uh, anything that that's really original or creative, you know. Well, they like Star Wars. They seem to like Star Wars. That's only because it became, became so rehashed and shown over and over again. I think that they got used to it. Yeah, and it's been remade and remade. And like, and they love this Marvel. Like, the only existing science fiction in film, really, it's not even science fiction. I don't know what you call it. It's like this Marvel um, cape shit stuff, right? Superheroes and things. That's, that's like the, that's the real takeover. You know, in the 80s, you would have had Flash Gordon and Conan and Dune and stuff. Now you just have... You know, another remake of Spider-Man and uh, whatever. So that's what they—that's where they get their supposed imaginative fiction, and that's where anybody who is technically good in their field, artistic field of creating modern films, which is mostly computers and stuff, I guess, would gravitates to this, and it ends up working on these things. And anybody with real taste, or anybody who remembers the stuff from before, I think pretty much hates it. Um, well, I think the main thing is that is that. You know what we were saying about the about how everybody really went on board with Star Wars. You know, mm. it's because it was okay to, it was made okay to, because since 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 everyone else is doing it, then they can feel comfortable in saying that they like it and that they're really into it. You know, that's yeah. you know, and that's kind of you know the way that the way that humans work. You know, is very much like like a robot in a sense. That the normies that they, you know, if it's a certain level, there's a certain limit that they reach before they just completely just yeah. shut down. Very and low aesthetic limit, I should add, but yes, yeah, before they shut down, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm. But I think that, that even they are still still kind of in the process of evolving, but others have evolved way faster. What's the, norm, what's the normie going to evolve into? I wonder. That'd be funny. Funny idea. Even more conformist and kind of like, well, so the adult men will be going around in like some cage in some like Spider-Man outfit or something going to work. 
stage of the normie. Well, that I suppose that's that's a possibility, but I was kind of thinking more in terms of enlightenment, um, of think of being comfortable with thinking outside the box versus always staying within this very safe versus staying within the, the these very certain safe parameters. Yeah, safety is what they like. Yeah, they, they're very easily frightened. Yeah, which actually goes back to the authentic. It goes back to the authentic self. That mm-hmm. that with that the more we we accept our authentic self and don't try to, don't try so hard to be somebody else in the presence of others. That yeah. we begin to see more of of one, our value, two, our future, and three, really understand reality's design. Yeah. Because, you know, I guess going a bit back into psychology with how we were when we were children, you know, you know, our childhoods, um, over with the traumas that we have endured with the negative, with the negative experiences we have endured over time, we have learned to build up a, an exterior to that. And that exterior is the false ego. The false ego is the image that we want others to view us as they want the world to view us as. Yeah. And you know, it's a way to cloak our, our true self because if we express our true self, you know, right out to others, you know, if they were to reject us, it would hurt so much more. Well, so, the, no, yeah, the normie is the, the normie is the fully, it fully um, just exists as the false self at all. Yeah, it takes on, it takes on a role and lives that role and uh, doesn't, like, becomes becomes a person they're not. I think a lot of it is that they don't get sufficiently bullied when they're young and they don't... <laughs> <laughs> maybe because say you and me is maybe because we were weirdos say we say we got a bit of bullying and i got stronger for it and learned how to fight back and you also learn that what do you learn you learn that um, you learn the relativity of people's views let's say and that you have to stand up for your own views and it's not necessarily that you're wrong ever you know because you can find then another group of people who totally agree with you it just depends where you are or who you're around um but these people, it's like those people, those super normies that are so scared of, and they want to assume, appear to be something that they're, whether they are or not, like they, they have that false, oh, I forget what you call it, the false ego or whatever, that is projected all the time. It's like they, they just never got past that simple social, social stage of, you know, this nothingness of like, you know, not, you don't have to be fake. Like there's, there's no point. <laughs> just like, you know, if, if, if the way you are is not getting along with the immediate people around you, you just move on and find some new people. Cause exactly. And you know, too, in storybooks, you know, that is often how, how the characters transform, you know, for instance, yeah. Yeah. if they originally, you know, were, you know, um, if originally were, you know, the sort of fake normie or they were, you know, this kind of negative way, and then they experience a trauma, uh, then they learn from that and they become, a better person or, or, or they, or well, I guess, you know, sometimes not, you know, depending, you know, on the story and everything, but you know, it is, yeah. it is transformative. That was like in my book, I had to, the, uh, I didn't do, I looked, I was looking at the, um, you know, there's the classic hero's journey thing you have to, but you do have to add 
if you're going to build a character like a main character that he has to have a certain amount of failure, are you supposed to feel human? And then hopefully, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily overcome it. If it's a if it's a happy ending, he overcomes it. Let's say, and usually through just ideally through being more of his own character and being as much as himself as he could. My first problem in an early draft was that I killed off the main character <laughs> and had him. Well, I didn't kill. It's hard to explain. He goes into this um like gas. They're sort of like trying to manufacture the gods in a way, and they have this spore fume stuff. This it's like a cavern they go into. He kind of vanishes, and he goes into a dream world. And so the whole second half of the, of the story, he was just like appearing in kind of dream flashes. But it didn't work because he was he was he was set up as the main character from the beginning. So I had to go back and I changed it around so he took the role of somebody else I had chosen, and I had somebody else who's like a minor character become that person who enters the dream world. So you have to yeah you have to follow certain rules which were laid out really ideally in old stories like old in the old myths you can have you know you can kill your main character and you can do there's a lot of things you can do but for it to feel right um he, he has to remain the focus and he has to be the one he or she has to be the one who is viewing the, this world and sort of absorbing it and translating it for everybody you can have different characters but everyone wants to return to the one that starts out exactly in a satisfying way yeah, the reader needs something to really hold on to throughout throughout the whole story in order to, um, yeah, I guess to relate to it and to, like, I guess not, um, I guess to uh, still maintain their interest because, because you know, when we already know of something, then we can much more easily relate to it instead of constantly going through, you know, a brand new central main characters. Yeah, it gets tiresome when you like flip from one character to the next, like endlessly. I think, yeah. Yeah, it was familiar then. Then it's yeah, you know, a lot more. I easier believe what's his name? I don't. I never read the guy that. Uh, I never read the guy who wrote Game of Thrones's books. I forget his name. George R. R. Martin. Mm -hmm. But from somebody, told, somebody did read them and told me that he he does that. He somehow just switches from character to character to character, and sees it through their view. I mean, he has a rotating series, just like in this series. If you ever watch it, there's a series of main characters and goes from one to the other so but you never necessarily have a feeling of one is maybe you did that Jon Snow was like the main character sort of but well I've only watched the first episode and I've only read like the first 50 pages of the first book but um yeah. it's just something that I haven't exactly got into I guess as of well, yet no, I didn't read them because I don't I'm not I wasn't I'm not that into it yeah the, and the series was okay it wasn't bad I don't know why I keep referring to it. I just thought of it as as, as an example of someone who yeah. doesn't quite do that main character focus. But he, he found some way around it. I don't know what it is. Yeah. yeah. And actually, too, um, that's kind of how the TV show Grimm is. Um, I believe it came out in like 2010, 2011. And um, sometimes it'll jump around from main character to main character in talk about their story um yeah. probably not to the same extent as game of thrones i guess yeah. but um yeah that's an, yeah that's um i guess one one sci-fi well not sci-fi more fantasy show um that's one yeah. that i really really enjoyed actually um, i really enjoyed i really enjoyed that one you mentioned earlier um westworld the original one with yul brenner i thought that was really good you didn't you like the series better you said but i like the originality of the way they did that but the music they used to, they had a really weird music in it too, and that I really liked. In that kind of seventies way, when they made a movie, and they just like 
they would be much more original then. Back in the 60s and 70s, we had much more better original science fiction and fantasy films and things because I believe it would be more of a case. It, this is before the Star Wars blockbuster, but you would they would be they would be blockbusters in their own right. This would be like some crazy rich guy would come along and say, "Oh, I like the I like this crazy guy and what he's doing. I'll give you a million dollars and do this." And then this, this guy's going to do the music. Here's, you know, here's Keith Moon. He's going to do the music for you and whatever. And just like they wouldn't give a shit. They'd be like these crazy crazy guys, <laughs> and it'd be excellent, excellent. And now it's all like decided by committee. They'd be like you know, teams of committees like going through and like, oh, we can't do this, we can't do that, and. Yeah, it's just yeah. yeah, no, um, I do know a bit of the um, of the film production process, and there's uh, an insane amount you have to really consider, work through, and it costs a lot more money now than it <laughs> yeah. did back then to even make. Yeah, I thought it would actually, because film back then, film is very expensive, and they don't really use film anymore. So I would have thought that would have saved some money, no? CGI does. Oh, CGI does. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, for science fiction. Yeah. yeah, but um, yeah, it, yeah, for a decent uh, sci-fi film, you'll be to be done correctly. You know, you're going to need an investment of at least about like a hundred fifty to two hundred thousand dollars for everything straight up. But the only issue really is. Uh, trying to get it out to the right people, I guess. You know, trying to get it, you know, into the theaters. Um, you know, that's the, you know, you know, as you said earlier, with independent films these days, you know, none of them are are going to ever really make it to theaters. So they, ha- so basically, you know, you know, part of the film process is you have to be working with the more mainstream. Um, Sometimes yeah. producers, but you know. Well, when- we know everything. Everything's going down the toilet anyway. So, <laughs> even our attempts, our writing, you can enjoy our books because you probably, unless you know, unless I become a millionaire and make it into a movie myself, it's not going to be made into a movie. So. And same with yours. So at least we, at least we've. You can read them, and reading is still the best part. I mean, movies are great and all, but the book is always better. Remember that. Yeah. Pretty much always better. So I think that we've done about an hour there, and there's a few questions. There's not many, but there's a few. So let's see here. Do, do people, when they do this, do they normally like read the questions as they go, or do they wait to the end, or what do they do? Um, they normally wait to the end. Okay, so we'll do it now. Some of them are just stupid. <laughs> Honestly, watching Isaac Arthur has changed the way I think about reading and writing sci-fi. Some things I took for granted have been abolished, and others I never considered. I don't know anything. What's Isaac Arthur? Do you know? Um, Isaac Arthur. Uh, no, no, it sounds familiar, Isaac. He must be a guy. Does he yes, talk? About he talks about reading and writing sci-fi. It's not a, it's not a movie or anything. So maybe it's a guy that talks yeah. about it, writing. Yeah, it's an author. Um, oh, okay. oh, wait, wait. Um, hang on. Uh, it's okay. a science communication YouTuber and futurist. He's best known as producer of his YouTube channel, Science of okay. Futurism. Oh, we'll have to look him up. Sounds, yeah. sounds pretty good. Okay, so we don't know, but um, we'll look it up. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Uh, what else do we have here? Okay, stupid joke. What do you, what do prisoners use to call each other? Do what? What do prisoners use to call each other? Uh, Cell phones. It's a joke. Some guy left a joke. <laughs> All right. Th- thoughts on Twin Peaks, X-Files, Millennium. I don't know 
X Files was okay. It's kind of entertaining, but silly. Twin Peaks was brilliant. I yeah, love I, it. Have you seen it, Twin Peaks? Yes, I love Twin Peaks. Um, unfortunately, I haven't finished the, um, the the rest of the second season. I just, I just, I got busy with other things. I've never got around to actually finishing the second season though. But I really, 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 really love Twin Peaks. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, and X Files. What's your opinion on that? I don't. X Files. It was okay. I, I did like it as a kid. Um, yeah. It was good and everything. Um, I could not stand Scully. Um, <laughs> I know the woman. Yeah, just uh, just. Which one was Scully? I don't remember. Oh, um, uh, uh, she's the woman, and the woman, right? Yeah, Stephen Scully and there's Fox Mulder. Right, right. Um, and she you didn't like her. Why, why didn't you like her? Just because she was she's kind of a shitty actor. She was just kind of was like she was just made the same face and again. Yes, yeah, she always she always put down Mulder's ideas. Did you always say, "Oh no, that's too crazy. That's too stupid. No, it's this over. You know, you know, no, it's this uh, super logical thing right here instead. You're just crazy, Mulder." And it turns out Mulder's <laughs> usually right. You didn't so, like she was so mean to him because her character was so mean to him. So you think after like a couple of seasons or so, should you know catch on, you know, and just listen to Mulder's intuition? Okay, all right. I don't know, but anyways. Um, so you hated her pessimism, just like he did. That bitch. Yeah. Her pessimism yeah, I, bitch. Yeah, I don't like pessimism like that. Oh, and, it really actually, um, as far as TV shows, uh, I was really, 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 and still am into the old black and white Twilight Zones. I love oh, that them as a kid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the Twilight Zone movie from the 80s. I yeah, that's that great, that dude. Too. Especially the last one, the, uh, the plain one. That's really, really good. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. That's that's good uh, stuff from the pre CGI uh, movie era as well. Good, good effect, good old school special effects, and uh, you know, yeah, good, good production. I mean, some of them are. I think there's a Steven Spielberg one that's pretty stupid, and there's a couple of boring ones. There's one about like some old people dying, kicking a can, or some stupid thing. Um, oh, that one, yeah, um, yeah, that yes, yeah, the '80s movie that um, that I was talking about, um, the '80s. Twilight Zone movie. Uh, I actually yeah. really did like that one. No, did you? It's pretty neat. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. That one bored me. I was like, okay, just die already. You know, where's the monsters and the crazy shit? But um, so what is it? He says he says he mentions the show. What do you think of Millennium? I don't know. Uh, mm -hmm. It sounds familiar, but uh, what's that? Do you know? I don't know. Um, no, I don't. Oh, Millennium. And that, that's actually my my buddy excuse blood. Also, any thoughts on? Out of the Silent Planet by C.S. Lewis. Do you know? Have you read that? What's it called? Out of the Silent Planet. Uh uh. No, I haven't read it either. But that's okay. uh, that's him for you. He loves. He's showing off his. Uh, he's showing off his obscure knowledge of culture, in which in which he's very, uh, very equipped to do. But uh, I mean, C.S. Lewis was a great guy, and he was kind of he was a pagan who kind of converted to Catholicism. And he's fam he's kind of famous for that. He wrote a lot of very pro pagan kind of stuff, and then very Catholic stuff. But I didn't I didn't know he wrote a I knew he wrote the uh, Narnia stuff, the fantasy kid stuff. But uh, he yeah, must have written that. Yeah, it's the only thing that I really um, know that uh, it's the only thing that I really know that he's written. Um, but I just yeah, I mean, I would like to to read his work, but I just haven't exactly got around to it yet. Oh, I haven't read a book in like ages. I can't. <laughs> so many books I should have read. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm either like writing my own book or I'm doing something else, I guess, these days. Not that yeah. I feel I've learned everything, but 
I don't know. It's hard. I don't have a lot of time. So, let's see another question. Try finding white dwarf or dragon on a magazine rack. If they exist anymore. No, they do not exist. I mean, there might be websites for them, which is like, okay, whatever, great. But, I mean, it's not the same. Um, do you know those? You probably wouldn't. That's before your time. Um, white Dwarf, Dragon Dragon Magazine. They were like um, role-playing back in the old Dungeons & Dragons uh, days before before it was like, uh, you know, video games and stuff. That would know, I don't know that in particular. The only thing of Dungeons & Dragons that I know as, as far as their literature series is just the Dragonlance. Oh, yeah, I remember that, yeah. Raceland or whatever, Raceland, yeah. Raceland, uh-huh. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. No, these were like magazines. These would be on the magazine rack before they got replaced by, you know, golf and uh, cars. It was, uh, you just, you'd buy a magazine just about role-playing games. It would be just like paintings and pictures and comics about <laughs> wizards and barbarians. This is how great it was. Like, you know, it was, it was good. Cool. Well into, the, well into the 80s that you could see that anywhere you went. I mean, it's not like that. It, it's another thing that swallowed that up, I guess, was video games in a way. The RPG became a... You know, you you didn't have to play a tabletop Dungeons and Dragons. You just started playing a game, and you could be like the character, and everything everything became digital. But it just seems to be very much lacking. As you know, you you could say we're complaining. Well, you could say we're like old fogies complaining about a um you know something we were used to in the past. But it's not. That's not. I don't think we're that limited in what we're saying. I believe that we've lost an art, not entirely. But like like many other arts, as I wrote in my first book, we've lost, we've been losing, for different reasons. The te technological system and the system itself, which especially the hyper consumerist one, doesn't have time for art in the real sense. In in the in creating a real art, you need like some goofy, crazy person, uh, like me, or Munosity, <laughs> <laughs> to you know just do what they want yeah, and work hard. Like and work hard at it. Work hard at it. We should say not just like do what we want. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Think that the yeah think that what video game RPGs are lacking is the ability to really storytell. It's more so following a very strict story. And you have very limited options versus when you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, you have practically unlimited options. You know that even it, it, you know still have you know basic framework. You know that you know that the dungeon master you know, gives you, you know, the normal story and the plots that he has set up for you. But, you know, you can still, you know, it, you know, it, you know him and all the players, they're still weaving a grand story together. So it's, you know, it, it really takes more of an imagination to play Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. See, what we need is a kind of Butlerian Jihad from Dune. Maybe you don't know this, but anyways, where we like have a revolt and decide where and how to apply technology exactly so that you instead of playing like getting immersed in like world of warcraft you are forced to play a tabletop game with real hand-painted uh, dragon magazines uh, about you but say you can use a computer to create a a life-size hologram of a goblin attacking you or something <laughs> yeah. if we reconstitute our values around technology in the in the proper way you see we can avoid uh bad art and lifeless uh a lifeless future and this incredible nostalgia for recent, recent art, and recent um, actually creating beauty with it. Creating beauty, exactly. So let's see. And the last question: Did Dune predict? Did Dune predict our timeline? Did Dune predict our timeline? Dune did not predict our timeline. I don't see how you would say that. 
Dune is like um, a far future where we've escaped. We've managed to travel between galaxies anywhere we want in the universe at once. Uh, in Dune, there's no really aliens. It's like, but just different humans evolve differently on different, yeah. different galaxies. So I don't, did Dune predict our timeline? As it, he's, he's trying to say it'd be in our future. Maybe if we're lucky, if we're very lucky, it is. Well, I, I can't really say because uh, I've, I haven't read the book yet and the movie. Uh, I've only watched, I think, first first hour of it. And then right. I just haven't, I, I just, I just hadn't resumed it since just because I, you know, like I said, you know, with, you know the other things I got busy. So I can't really uh, probably answer that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if we're lucky, it did. I mean, it's right in that it Dune accepts the natural hierarchy of, uh, I mean, everyone, it's like a, that's far flung future, but p humans are still behaving naturally, let's say. And there's like, emperors and kings and barons and things and there it's it's all about there's a lot of struggle and like power struggle in it and he he was very good like a genius at, at um pointing out the different ways that are, that can occur now and now and in, in his uh future scenario so i don't know it's well, only, you just have to read it i can't explain it so well the only thing that well, one of the main things i do remember of it was the spice about how everybody was really, really interested in getting the spice. Yeah, well, the navigators who did the uh, space travel, they folded space in between worlds. They could go anywhere they wanted in the universe because of the spice. So mm -hmm. it became the most valuable commodity in, in his universe. So it was like, what would be comparable to today? Oil today, today I guess, yeah. really. It'd be, it'd be like that. So everything was working around monopolizing and getting power of the spice in his uh, story. So it, it was like a story that could be set in like the past or the present even. But he chose this future, uh, this future scenario with these bizarre things, as one would do back in the day, like just to randomly mix things up and make it more difficult and introduce your own wacky ideas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, that's it. I, I think we've uh, we've answered all the questions and we've we've done what we can. So, I guess uh, you've got a you've got your book coming out. You've got a book out already, and it's called The Moon. What? It's called. Um... It's called it is called Full Moon Fever and it is available on Amazon on Kindle and on paperback. And my novel that I am working on and I hope to have out by perhaps the end of this year is called Moonstone. All right, so it's all moon, moon, moon with you. Uh huh. Well, that's good. You're keeping the theme. You're everyone knows. Everyone knows where to find you and what it's all about. So yeah, that's uh that's it. And I've got my new book. This is it. You can buy it. Yes. And my other book, obviously, you can buy that too. That's still there. And I'll probably write another I'm sure I've already started another one. I mean, we're just going to keep pumping these things out, I guess. So yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe they'll get better as they go. We'll see. Okay. Don't cry. It's one thing you can do is writing. I mean, it's something you can, in our modern context, our modern world, you can create these new ideas. You can still write and get a writing idea out there. That's one thing that's still hasn't been stifled. And in fact, in some ways, I don't know if it's easier than it was. Maybe it's not easier. It's easier. It's easier to do it in a kind of homespun kind of create your own Twitter account way. Much more difficult to actually, as I said, get a literary agent and a publisher in the official way and being like the New York Times bestseller list. To do that, you have to write a book on like 
silly lollipop relationships or bisexuals or you know something some inane yeah <laughs> political topic in some way somehow like have you ever seen a recent list of new york times bestsellers it's, it's just the most silly crap i've ever seen like it just seems not so because i just i i i i'm i'm honestly not really too interested in new york times bestsellers um I, no. when i go to you know I go to barnes noble or something you know you know, the first place I go to is not the best sellers uh, racks or, or anything. It's yeah. Why would you? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a normal thing to do. Oh, what's the best seller? What? Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Usually either the sci-fi, sometimes the fantasy section, but more, much more so the the philosophy section. Yes, well, that's good. That's a good sign. So well done. Yes, excellent. So we'll we'll stop it there, and that's it. Okay. And um, let's see, you can find me on Twitter at the Lunosity, and you can find me on Telegram just at uh, at Lunosity. So yeah. that's that. Yeah, and if you're here, you know where to find me. So that's the first. That's the end of the of the um, what do you call it? Live stream. Yeah. So goodbye. Goodbye. Right. Goodbye.